0: Every week, we bring you breaking news and analysis from around the globe, featuring the animals you love and the people who care for them. And here's your anchorman, John Rossi. Hello, 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 and welcome back to Safari Zoo News, our weekly look at the news happening in the world of zoos, conservation, animals, all that good stuff. Uh, I'm excited to have you all here. And um, we're going to start off with a quick reminder. This is a semi-crowd-sourced news program. So if you happen to see any stories that you think would fit Zoo News well, then you can tag me in them at Rasafari on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, at Pod on TikTok. Um, Or you can DM them to me or email them to me, rasafaripod at gmail.com. And uh, I'll say your name at the end of the episode, which is fun for everyone. Yay! Um, And I may even put your stories in the... uh, In the episode, or in one after it, or eventually, or never, you never know, but uh, it's always fun to find out, right, I guess? I don't know. Anyway, y'all, I am excited to share my own news with you now. I am home, okay? So I am starting to record this episode on Wednesday, March 23rd, and this is going to be the third night in a row... That I sleep in my own bed, third night in a row. Um, And I left for my whole big California and Arizona adventure on January 10th. It was that long that I was gone, y'all. Suffice it to say, Miles got a big hug when I visited him. And I hadn't even made it home when I went to see him. Uh, it was craziness. So as you can imagine, after being gone for over two months, I have just been relaxing and shit Wait, nope, nope, that is not the case. In fact, just the opposite is true. In the last two days, I did five interviews for y'all. It's going to be part of a new series, the first episode of which drops this upcoming Tuesday. I am ridiculously excited about it. It's something a little different with the podcast than we've ever done before, um, but I cannot wait to share it with y'all. Uh, as you know, I live right outside of Philadelphia, and my home aquarium is Adventure Aquarium in Camden, New Jersey. And... Uh, Thanks to meeting some really special people there, the doors were thrown wide open for me, and I am going to spend some time introducing you to all of the coolest animals at Adventure. But there's a whole twist to this, and you'll have to listen on Tuesday to find out, but I'm hyping it now because it has been an amazing couple of days getting this all prepared. And that's not all I've been up to. Uh, You've you've heard about it on the podcast on Zoo News last week. But as a friendly reminder, the Bandit tie-dye shirt that is my collaboration with Peace, Love and Tie-Dye in Phoenix and that sends $5 for every shirt purchased to Red Panda Network is now officially live. You can find it on my Instagram, on my Facebook. It'll be popping up in stories. I will be putting up constant links. I promise you, you are not going to have a hard time finding this shirt. You are going to have a hard time figuring out what color you want because these are all unique and made individually at the time that they are ordered. So um, they're all going to be a little special and different and unique. And I'm just so excited to share them with you. Go find the pictures. Look at the shirts. Bask in their gloriousness. And then make sure you order one or two, or four. Support Red Panda Network. Get a cool, unique piece of art that you get to wear and uh, make me happy. Yay. And finally, as I'm updating you on my life, I wanted to let you know that I am going to be spending the weekend of my birthday, March 31st, playing a gig in Waterbury, Connecticut. So if you are a Connecticutian... I think is the proper term. I, I don't think that's the proper term, but, you know, whatever. Um, and you're interested in checking out my new theatrical concert, Great Balls of Fire. You can uh, come see us at the Seven Angels Theater in Waterbury, Connecticut. And then I'm going to be leaving right from there to head on up to do spam a lot at Northern Stage in Vermont. Y'all know I love Northern Stage. That's where I did MDQ up in Vermont last year. And I'm excited to be back and I'm excited to be doing a different show and see if I remember how to play music that isn't, you know, rockabilly. Uh, and I'm planning on working on some cool episodes up there as well. So, yeah, there is a whole lot going on. We've got a lot of interviews scheduled from places that I've visited and we haven't been able to get the interviews done yet. There's just there's just so much. I'm, I'm so excited to share everything coming up soon with y'all. But uh, first, let me share an ad today's episode is brought to you by daydreamer studios do you have stories and expertise to share with the world have you ever thought about starting your own podcasts there's no better time to start than now with the help of a trusted production partner Daydreamer Studios is a full-service production company that takes all the stress off your plate. You can focus on creating engaging content while they focus on recording, editing, audio engineering, hosting, and publishing on 22 platforms. Log into the advanced remote system with one click and the Daydreamer team will be on the other end ready for you to record everything you have to say. Owned and operated by Daydreamer Network, Daydreamer Studios continues on the company's mission to empower storytellers of all kinds by making podcasting accessible to all. For more information and current promotions, visit daydreamernetwork.com slash studios. All right, and with that said, I think we have gotten through everything we need for this intro. So now it is officially time for... One, two, three, four. Ow, that's a funky monkey. Tree kangaroo. Or a binturong. It's Zoo News, yeah. All right, y'all, so we are going to start this week's Zoo News with a couple of farewells. First, we have to say goodbye to Joe the beautiful male orangutan at the Erie Zoo. Joe passed away due to effects of heart failure, and despite the team at the zoo doing everything they could to help him out, it was just too much to overcome. And at 36 years old, Joe passed away. If you've never been to the Erie Zoo, Joe is an absolute icon. He would often sit right by the glass, hanging out. I've got some really gorgeous photos of him. Uh, He would interact with his mate and their uh, child, and it was just so awesome to see. Such an amazing orangutan family. Joe is going to be ridiculously missed. I I do love the fact, and I I hate to... um, bring this up again. You know, I love the Erie Zoo. I have a lot of respect for them and they've been on and I can't wait to have them on again. Um, But I did mention in an earlier episode of Zoo News that because of a couple of older exhibit design issues that they weren't able to fix in time, Erie is currently not accredited by the AZA. Now, they are fully intending to get those things fixed and reapply next year. And I have faith that they will be back in the good graces of the AZA. But as all of this happened, the, um, the zoo reached out to a bunch of AZA facilities, including the Orangutan Species Survival Plan and the Great Ape Heart Project, and got all of the information. All of the zoos were super willing to collaborate, and you know they all teamed up to try to save Joe. While it didn't work, the Erie Zoo is also committed to sending all of the data from the necropsy and such to those organizations to help further our knowledge of heart disease in great apes. So even though it's a really sad moment, I do love this collaboration, and I love the fact that a, let's say, temporary hiccup with accreditation is not slowing any of that down. Sending my love and condolences to everyone at the Erie Zoo. And since we're starting with the heavy, a red panda named Kasari recently escaped from Symbio Wildlife Park in New South Wales and was hit by a car and passed away. The panda escaped when a tree fell on the enclosure and thus created an exit and also freaked out the panda enough to make said panda exit. And um, unfortunately, there was nothing that could be done at this point in time. Along with the story being sad for itself, there's also the fact that the anti-captivity population around the zoo has tried to take this up as proof that no animals should ever be in captivity, which is obviously ridiculous. And I personally volunteer to share with uh, those politicians what happens to red pandas in the wild right now. But I digress. At this point in time, the main focus needs to be on saying goodbye to Kasari and to sending our love to everyone who uh, was at the zoo and had to deal with the sudden unexpected loss. But as in all things with life, there is good and bad, including in the world of red pandas right now. We covered the bad story already, but um, some good news out of Australia where both the Taronga Zoo and the Australia Zoo, which is the zoo most commonly known as the Irwin Zoo because Steve Irwin's family runs it. Have new baby red panda cubs. So that's exciting. And what's even more exciting is that you can tune into the Australia Zoo social channels and check out their YouTube because they have been sharing videos and even occasional live cam feeds from the nest box so that you can see their adorable panda cubs interacting with mom. It is Everything that you need as a solve for a bad day. Highly recommend checking it out. Heck, I'm so excited about it. I didn't even go into my horrible Australian accent for this story. You're welcome. Okay, so for this next story, I need to explain something to you about Cleveland Metro Parks Zoo. It's a zoo. It's a good zoo. I, I like it there. But... Um, But outside of the main zoo, kind of to – if you're facing the admission booth, you would go left to go to the zoo. But instead, you can turn right, and there's this building that is is in the parking lot there, and it's kind of its almost own thing – and it is their rainforest, and and it is still a ticketed thing, and it's part of the zoo and all of that. And it's just really cool. They got a binturong last year, and uh, I think I've gotten the best clouded leopard pics I've ever gotten there. There's just some really cool animals there. It's a really cool exhibit at a really great zoo. Well, earlier this week, Cleveland Metro Parks Zoo announced that they are creating a new primate forest, a 140,000-square-foot, world-class indoor destination that will transform and significantly expand the zoo's rainforest and create a new home for their gorillas and orangutans. This is going to be incredible. If you go to at C-L-E-M-E-T-Z-O-O on Instagram or check out Cleveland Metro Parks Zoo on Facebook, you can see some renderings of what this new exhibit is going to look like, and it is going to be amazing. The rainforest is already what Cleveland Metro Parks Zoo is most known for, at least, you know. To me um and i'm the one hosting this so i can say that and it is going to become such a bigger cooler and more badass location i cannot wait to see this all happen also earlier this week the toronto zoo announced the birth of 14 massasauga rattlesnakes this is a really big deal The eastern massasauga rattlesnake, which is an endangered species, um, is really hard to breed and to have successful reproduction with, which is really just saying the same thing twice. And so hatching 14 is a huge deal. Zoo staff had to go to great lengths, including artificially adjusting day lengths inside to simulate wild conditions in an effort to uh, help the snakes breed properly. These snakes are going to be part of an assurance population, meaning they're not going back out into the wild, but they are going to be contributing their valuable genetic lineage to enhance the health of populations in captivity that are there to make sure that we don't lose the species forever. I love the amazing conservation work that the Toronto Zoo is constantly doing and constantly bragging about. It's so cool. While we're talking about things that are cool, you may remember that in this entire time of doing this podcast, I have only ever had one zoo on this podcast That was, at the time of the interview, completely not accredited. Those were my friends at Bright's Zoo in Tennessee, and I very specifically decided to have them on the podcast because they were recommended to me by an AZA stud book keeper who likes them so much that she actually helped them get an animal from uh, the species that she keeps the stud book of. So suffice to say, I was pleased to go there and check it out, but I am now even more pleased to be able to tell you that Bright's Zoo has officially applied for and received ZAA accreditation. While I personally had it from a very good source that, uh, they were taking good care of all their animals, it's nice to see that they went ahead and got that accreditation and that the ZAA agrees with my assessment of the zoo. And, um, also that the, uh, the ownership team there cared enough to go ahead and take this step. I'm, I'm really happy to see this. And speaking of things that I am happy to see, I did share a few months ago that one of the snow leopards at the Akron Zoo passed away. Um, it was it was expected. They helped her manage her disease and, uh, you know, gave her the best life that they could. However, uh, she was gone and the world was sad because the Akron Zoo takes such great care of snow leopards and they do such amazing breeding there. Well, the Akron Zoo has announced that they are chuffed to have Mila, a new female snow leopard who has moved there from Milwaukee County Zoo in Wisconsin. I am so excited for Mila to get settled in and hopefully continue to make amazing baby snow leopard cubs at the Akron Zoo. Now, if you see Mila, you will notice that her one eye looks a little funny, um, she was born with a congenital eye condition called multiple ocular colobomas, which is something that causes her right eye to be sensitive to light. But it is a relatively common and manageable condition that is really common among snow leopards, which in general, both in captive populations and in the wild, seem to have a lot of eye issues. But the main takeaway from this story, of course, is Akron Zoo, snow leopard, yay! This next story comes from Hogle Zoo in Salt Lake City, Utah. More and more zoos have decided to end their free-roaming peacock programs for a variety of reasons, mostly because kids tend to torment the birds a little bit, occasionally because you'll get a story like Joaquin, the bear at the Philly Zoo, who, uh, if a um, peacock decides to get too close, uh, kills it. And kind of, um, well, let's just say that the boy likes to play with his food before he eats it. Um, anyway, but so there are reasons why you're starting to see this. But um, it now appears that there's another reason, which is that uh, a family of a two-year-old child is actually suing Hogel Zoo because a free-roaming peacock allegedly attacked their toddler, as well as three other children in separate incidents over a two-day period. In between the time of the attack and the filing of the lawsuit, Hogle Zoo did actually decide to end their free-roaming peafowl program um, and have no further comment on the lawsuit at this time. The uh, the mother alleges that what was happening was her toddler was out toddling along, as they do, and the peacock just flew directly in front of the toddler and started attacking. While my instinct is to, uh, you know, say the kid probably provoked it, that's just because I like animals. And the truth is, that's a terrifying thing if that really happened. Um, so, you know, yet another reason to reconsider these programs that... that I think are so cool and so beautiful, and I love whenever I see free-roaming pea fowl, but got to keep people and animals safe and uh, also not feed extra bird meat to Joaquin at Philly. Just, Just saying. A man recently broke into the Pittsburgh Zoo after hours. He ran into the zoo property, climbed over the fence to get into the main zoo, and uh, started running from exhibit to exhibit. He was seen almost immediately, and police as well as zoo security and animal care staff were able to make sure that the animals were safe. Dude didn't get near any animals, nothing like that. Uh, Everyone did all the right stuff, and everything was okay. But a guy broke into the Pittsburgh Zoo. What the hell are people doing between breaking into exhibits and breaking into zoos? I mean, look, again... I get the temptation. Nobody spends more time in zoos except for people that work there than your boy John here. But, you know, when you're allowed to be there and, and I only get to go when they're not open because I get invited to for the podcast sometimes. I don't break in when I don't get invited to, even when I really want to. Look, I guess the point here is that I am basically this dude in Pittsburgh only with self-control but that self-control makes a big difference. But uh, seriously, I I hope that this guy gets the either help that he needs or in a lot of trouble or both, because you cannot mess with zoos like that. It's not okay. But y'all know that. And last but not least this week in zoo news, the Sunset Zoo in Manhattan, Kansas, because there's a Manhattan in Kansas, was happy to announce that Their colobus monkey, named Mangalisa, had a successful surgery to remove cataracts from her eyes. Mangalisa is 27 years old, and before the surgery, the cataracts were so bad that Mangalisa was blind and usually just stayed crouched in a corner because she could not see to climb the trees. Now that this surgery has happened, Mangalisa is rocking it. She is acting like a little baby monkey again, climbing everywhere and playing with uh Bobby and Azizi, the people that she the people, the monkeys that she lives with. I said people, goodness gracious., uh, but anyway, um it went super well and uh, now everything's great she's up in trees which she hasn't been able to do for years and is just living her best monkey life so i I just like this story it's a happy story and that's a good way to move on to conservation conservation news time oh yeah all right let's talk about whale boogers That's weirdly on brand for this podcast. Anyway, there is a drone that is named Snotbot that scientists are using to fly through the plumes of whale blow to collect samples, as well as photos and videos. This is part of a new, recently growing trend of using drones to you know, study and protect animals in the wild, which is really cool. So in this case, we're talking about Snotbot, and Snotbot has a Petri dish that lives on board. And when a whale blows a bunch of snot up into the air, also known as whale blow, like I mentioned, uh, it collects some of it on that petri dish, and then it can be studied. Uh, It tends to be a mixture of water and uh, mucus, and uh, that mucus has DNA in it, and we can learn a lot about whales from that DNA. I don't just like this story because it's a cool use of technology to help save whales, which is always great. But I also like picturing the fact that somewhere in this world, there was somebody who decided to come up with a drone to capture whale snot and then named it Snotbot. I mean, that's just that's just good stuff right there. New research suggests that the king cobra is not one species of snake, but is in fact four different species of snakes. Now, y'all know that I can rant about taxonomy a bit, but we're going to ignore that and just stick to the facts here. It turns out that scientists have long suspected that king cobras were technically more than one species, but were not able to prove it until just recently. A bunch of improved trapping techniques in tropical rainforest combined with new technology that can analyze badly degraded museum specimens finally yielded enough DNA for scientists to prove, well, to argue that there are in fact four species of king cobras, Western Ghats, Indochinese, Indo-Malayan, and Luzon Island. The snakes' scientific names have not yet been approved by the International Commission on Zoological Nomenclature, but uh, the scientists in question do believe that they have proven that this is, in fact, four different species. Along with the fact that Recognizing different species often helps with their conservation because it means smaller populations and they might be more endangered because of that. And um, also because then you can make certain local regions feel. A love for those animals, although good luck with that with King Cobras. But this also has additional real world ramifications because right now we have one anti venom that we use for all King Cobras. But in fact, if there are four different species, there are probably four different anti venoms. And by analyzing this, we may be able to save more human lives when they get bitten by these various snakes. So that's an added bonus to all of this. Yay! Researchers in Australia were surprised to discover a brand new behavior while they were tracking magpies. This was not what they expected at all, because what they discovered was that magpies are so intelligent and social that they will work together to remove tracking devices that scientists put on them to try to observe their behaviors. Not only is this a cute story just from the perspective of birds helping out smart scientists, but um, it's actually really interesting. First of all, the birds were able to identify the one weak point on the harness that the trackers were attached by and then would snap at them in order to break them off. Also interestingly here, they were helping each other without getting any immediate tangible reward, demonstrating both cooperation and problem solving. This is actually kind of cool. We, we know that corvids are smart and stuff, but magpies, who knew? Now, along with wanting to get the data that they were initially trying to collect, this team also wants to study these birds more to find out more about the behavior that they saw through this experiment. The beauty of science, y'all. It's time for other news. It's time for other news. Hey, no, right now, then right now it's time. It's time for other news. Hey, it's a segue to the podcast. All right, y'all. We've all heard about cancer detecting dogs using their adorable little noses to sniff out cancer. As a matter of fact, we even did an episode about a place that trains that and other behaviors, the PenVet Working Dog Center back in season one. Check it out if you haven't, or if you just want to go listen to it again, that's allowed as well. But, um, n- turns out there's another, another type of animal that can do that. We've all heard of the cancer-sniffing dogs, but have you ever heard of cancer-sniffing ants? Specifically, a species of ant known as Formica fuchsia is able to differentiate healthy human cells from cancerous ones. In fact, this is so successful that it is now actually entering the clinical trial phase on actual humans. There are actual humans that right now are being tested for cancer by ants. So far, the results are incredibly encouraging. So this is going to be a fun little story to follow. All right. So speaking of stories, do y'all remember back in season one of COVID when uh, they started to pitch that spinoff show called murder hornets well it turns out that they are a real thing and while the invasion wasn't as crazy as was initially expected the world's largest hornet still can be a very invasive species and cause lots of problems when it shows up in fact its footprint is spreading in north america just way more slowly than anybody realized Now, researchers at the University of California, San Diego, San Diego, I love you so much. Anyway, um, researchers at UCSD have identified the sex pheromone of invasive murder hornets and believe that it will help to track them, track their movement, and also accelerate their removal. By isolating the giant hornet queen's sex pheromone, Uh, It's believed that scientists would be able to use that pheromone, either the actual that they have or a lab-created replica of it, to bait traps and track and even capture the insects and get rid of them. That is really good news because murder hornets is just not a fun story, and I don't want to be in that show. So uh, nice work to everyone at UCSD. And speaking of California, a blue crane was discovered at a bird rescue recently. Now, this was not a blue crane that was rescued, and then the bird rescue realized what they had. One day, as a uh, worker went to open the cages and stuff, he noticed a rather large bird hanging out. And it turned out that it was a blue crane. Now, blue cranes are huge Google them. This is this is crazy, and uh, they're often kept in zoological facilities. Um, so, haven't heard anything about how this crane got there. We've heard some stories lately about birds, you know, showing up in places that they're not supposed to be, um, whether because of some crazy migratory behaviors or because they were being kept illegally and escaped. And we don't really know what this story is. But right now, there is just a blue crane unexpectedly hanging out in California as they try to solve that mystery, uh, which I just found fascinating. And last but not least in other news this week, a child collided with a sloth on a zip line in Costa Rica. And don't worry, both the child and, way more importantly, the sloth were totally okay. But the story behind it is kind of interesting. So, um there was a sloth hanging out on a zipline cable, but no one really knows how it got there because the child was the last of eight customers to leave the platform in fairly rapid succession. They would go between 30 seconds and a minute apart. And somehow, between the seventh and eighth person, a sloth just appeared on the zip line. Now, you can see in the video, because there is video footage of this if you Google it, Um, this wasn't a zip line going through a big forest canopy or anything where a sloth could have, you know, climbed up quickly or something. And again, quickly. I mean, sloths can move, but still. But it just seems like this big open space. And suddenly in the span of 30 seconds, there was a sloth there. It's very crazy. I don't know what happened. But the kid braked and and did hit it, but everything seemed fine. And the guide was right behind him and um, helped with the situation. Uh, the only problem was the sloth decided to leave after getting clocked by this human. And it took the sloth about a solid 15 minutes to climb down the rest of the zip line so that the child and guide could finish their trek. Um, so all was well. But it's just, it's, it's like, where did the sloth come from? Go watch the video. You'll see what I mean. It's, it's really weird and interesting. Just like me. Animal, animal, animal holidays. Animal, animal, animal holidays. All right. So your friendly reminder that March is Dolphin Awareness Month And then we're going to start off with Friday the 25th, which is Stork Day. Uh, The 26th is Cory Bustard Day, and we also celebrate Earth Hour. From the 27th to April 4th, we celebrate Lobo Week. March 30th is Manatee Appreciation Day. Yay! Maybe go check out our episode with Hugh and Buffett from Moat Marine Lab. And most importantly of all, March 31st is Rasafari Day. That's right, y'all. It is my birthday. I know you all care so much. And that's it for your animal and dorky host holidays this week. All right. Well, there you have it, folks. Another week of Zoo News is in the books. I would like to say thanks to Laura Shank, my Red Panda-level patron, and also to the following people who contributed to this episode. Anya Keen, Colleen Lenahan, Kim Cooley, Crystal Chapman, Megan Barrett, Ken Tryon, Jen Kules, Michael Sebastian, Emily Rockbuck, and Justin Fairchild. Make sure you're back here on Tuesday for our episode with Alex Middlebrook celebrating the 30th birthday of Adventure Aquarium and starting a new series that's going to overlap with our California series and some other stuff a bit. And uh, remember, friends, the words Newsy Credits Backwards. Our Steiderk Yeswen. The Rossafari Podcast is produced, hosted, and engineered by John Rossi. Editing and fact-checking by John and Dr. Zoe Vesley Gross. Our theme song is Sevens by Nathan Burke, performed by Nathan and John. Interrupting John theme and additional voices by Taylor Isaac Gray. You can reach John directly on Instagram and Facebook at Rossafari or by email at Rossafaripod at gmail.com. Rossafari is part of the Daydreamer Media Network. Now, stop listening to me and go visit a zoo.